Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What is up, everyone? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, basketball is officially over, and to our great surprise, Ohio State did manage to pull off a tournament win. Yeah, they did. They um, they, they managed to uh, upset, I guess it was kind of an upset, um, Iowa State on Friday night, 62-59. to It was, I think, um, I don't want to be too hyperbolic i think it was probably the most important win for ohio state's basketball program since aaron Kraft was here um just in terms of um you know the impact moving forward to get a win like that the uh the caliber of team that they beat obviously you have the michigan state game last year where they just come out and they're hitting everything and they managed to pull off the upset at home and i think that that was also a super important game but i think that this team, this roster, being able to win a tournament game, especially one over a team that just won the Big 12, um, will be something that we we look back on as maybe not necessarily a turning point for this program, but the point where they stepped it up to the level where Chris Holtman was trying to get them to. A very important building block, I would say, at the at the yeah. very least. And in the second round, the round of 32, they lose to Houston 74 to 59 and I I really don't think that there's anything to be ashamed of at that I think the score was probably closer than it would indicate not that the game was super close but I don't think they really got blown out they just got beat by a much better team and a much more consistent team and the thing that I really liked watching that game was they just never gave up and I that's really almost a fitting way for the season to end and we knew that it was going to be unlikely that they could go to the Sweet 16, much less win a tournament game and play well and upset a six seed. But the way that they fought against Houston, they were down eight 
at half, but then kept clawing back in, but just couldn't hit enough shots. But you never saw him give up, and I, I thought that was very admirable and a fine way for this team to go out. Yeah, I, I think that it, it really was, <clears throat> you know, like you said, a pretty fitting way for the season to end where um, Houston is just a more talented, deeper team. That's, you know, that's the way it is right now in Ohio State. Obviously still dealing with quite a bit of attrition. I actually saw um, this morning that one of the parts of that attrition, uh, Daniel Giddens, is transferring now from Alabama. So maybe they can bring him home. They should not do that. Um, But they're still very obviously dealing with that. And they're still working towards having a, a Big Ten caliber roster. And I think that last year they got really lucky with the fact that that senior class was extremely good just kind of despite the poor coaching that they got late in the Mata era I think that you know had it not been for for Kata and Jay Sean and and to an extent Cam Williams being as good as they were um, we would have seen a much bigger rebuild than what we have but I think that the you know beating Iowa State and then losing to to Houston both of those games doing so with um, I think you know what what felt like really good coaching like a really good game plan even it's you know it's strange to say for a 15 point loss but I think that Ohio State really went into the Houston game and obviously the Iowa State game and was the more prepared team I think that Ohio State knew what they had to do to beat Iowa State obviously and they they knew that putting someone like Musa Jallo out there for you know 29 minutes which is much more than he would usually play and using him to kind of counter Iowa State's length and athleticism was necessary for the defense to work and it was it was correct and you know it was certainly a bonus that he ended up scoring 11 points in that game and then um, you know a similar approach against Houston who's a, you know kind of a a super powered version of Iowa State and you get another good game out of Musa you get another game where his defense is good he adds in six points and I, I think that the most encouraging thing about these games and the thing that has me very excited about the future at Ohio State and that you know has maintained you know has has remained kind of a a steadying force through these past two years was the the coaching again the coaching looks really really good the game plan looked good it looks like Ohio State's coaches know what they're doing and I think that that's very, very encouraging moving forward. That's what we talked about last episode was how this could be an opportunity for Holtman and his staff to really step up and show that this is when they prepare their best. And I completely agree with you. I think, especially in the Houston game, despite the loss, and where that stands out to me was not the offensive play calling. I don't want to steal a term from football, but and not the sets either, because that's that's another cliche thing we've talked about. But they had a lot of very good looks from deep. They shot ten of twenty nine from three, thirty four and a half percent, which isn't awful. And there were some of those shots that just didn't go down. And they don't have the shooters right now. And when you have C.J. Jackson taking 11 three-pointers, I think in a situation like this, it's hard to envision a win, but they drew it up for those guys, and I think that they put them in positions to succeed, and it's no fault of the players on the floor that they weren't able to. You're going to lose to more talented teams more often than not, and that was the case here, but the coaches put their players in the best position 
to succeed. And I thought just offensively, the way that they looked was very encouraging. And when we start to see more playmakers, more shooters filter into this offense, then we'll really see the ideal Chris Holtman system. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's a uh, it's a comparison and a, a model that Ohio State fans probably won't love to hear just because of who the team is. But I think that it's pretty obvious that Chris Holtman admires someone like John Beeline and the way that Michigan's program has developed over the last few years. And um, I, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Jay Sarkar who uh, said something about it on Twitter, uh, how this Ohio State team looks a lot like the early John Beeline teams where um, they, they don't have the – overall talent yet they don't have the the scoring quite yet but the effort is always there they're really smart on defense they follow what their coaches say they very obviously trust their coaches and you can see what the future kind of could look like you can see the idea of what they're trying to build it's the same thing that happened at you know villanova with jay Wright. it's the it's the same idea where you're building on defense you're building a culture where the the first thing that you have to do is you have to give effort and you have to care about what you're doing. You have to make sure that you're not making dumb mistakes. And that's something that Ohio State still has to um, figure out, at least offensively, with the turnovers. They they have to cut down the turnovers. I imagine that will be a huge thing this offseason. But, you know, always playing with effort defensively, always, you know, you, do, you don't want to be outplayed just on effort alone. You're not getting out-rebounded. You're not being you know pushed around in the paint it's it's all about toughness it's all about effort and i think that once holtman builds that culture and i think that he has it it seems like he has he has gotten that culture entrenched at ohio state once you build that culture it's just about adding talent and we know that he is going out and getting talent in the 2019 class it looks like um there may even be a fourth guy joining that class at some point in ibrahima diallo um as a possible seven footer developmental guy but i think that as you add that talent into that system, it, it's not necessarily plug and play, but it is where you know you can develop these guys. You know how to develop these guys for the system, and you can get any kind of talent as long as they're willing to buy in can be successful in a, a Holtman system because he's able to change the way that he does things for his players, and he showed that even this year with a, a roster that just didn't have a ton to work with. And it's just getting to a point where it's on a game-by-game -game basis because throughout the whole season, we saw individual guys pop at different times. We saw the Justin Arns game where he just explodes, and then he does it. He plays one minute against Houston in the yeah. tournament, and we saw Musa Jallo have a really productive game against Iowa State he was all over the floor he was scoring he was rebounding and then you have other young guys like Luther Muhammad and Dwayne Washington who have popped at different points and they get in a situation like the tournament and they're just not ready and that's fine and mm -hmm. it's just building up to the point where all these guys play more consistently and I think that those flashes aren't just oh that remember that one time that guy had a good game and then never did anything again, I, I think you give these guys time to simmer, and they're going to be players next year. This Another offseason where they can build consistency and play together, add a couple of new pieces, and I, I think you'll see a much different-looking team next season. Yeah, and I, I think um, on, on the, the orange thing, I will say this because um, I saw – 
a few people on Twitter talking about it, um, which is, I mean, it's understandable. When you see somebody score 29 points, you kind of want to see them do that again, especially when your team is struggling to shoot. Um, on the RNs thing, I, I can give a little bit of an, an explanation there just from what I have what I have heard. Um, Justin Arms can't play defense, like, really at all yet. Um, and that's fine. He's a freshman. It's it's hard. <laughs> it's it's very hard to play defense in uh, college basketball, especially in the way that Holtman expects it to be done. He doesn't want there to be mistakes on defense. He does not want there to be open shots. Um, and Justin Arms just he's not there yet. It it takes time to to learn it. And he isn't fully there yet because he's, you know, 18, 19 years old and it's it's difficult. And that's why you see um, in these tournament games I think that the you know the only freshmen that we saw were Muhammad and Dwayne Washington. And Dwayne Washington uh, still struggles quite a bit on defense, but he is at least able to to shoot consistently, and it seems like he can hit those shots. Um, and Luther Muhammad, obviously, already a very good defender and someone who can play in this defense. And I I think that you know we're going to we're going to see that pretty consistently with Holtman. You know, while he's here, is that you know if if a freshman can score they'll see some time you know they'll they'll see they'll see some minutes off the bench but in big games like this if you can if you can just score you can't play defense i don't think he's going to play them because he just he doesn't want to put them in a situation where they aren't ready yet they're not ready for a a big game environment like this to play defense against such a good team and justin arms is at that point i, I think that you know someone like jadon ladie also at that point where he's just not quite adapted to what Ohio State needs him to be and that's fine you know they're they're freshmen they're still learning I think that that's really part of a basketball program that Ohio State just hasn't had in a while and people kind of forget how things work because there are so many elite you know five-star freshmen that you see you know you see Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish at Duke and these guys and makes you wonder why our freshmen can't do that but this is a pretty normal part of a basketball program and I think that not playing Orange a ton, not playing Dwayne Washington a ton in these games is, you know, while it's frustrating that they're not quite ready to that point yet, it's understandable and it's it's a necessary part of the the development. You don't want to just throw those guys in if they're not ready. And I think Chris Holtman knows better than just about anybody on if these guys are ready or not. Yeah, and they probably it's hard to say that last season really threw them off, but I don't think that Holtman and the staff were really ready for last season to go the way that it did and for it to be as successful as it was and Keita Bates Diop explodes and is the best player in the Big Ten and they make this run to the tournament and I think that kind of threw things off a little bit not that if they weren't good last year that this season would be any better or anything like that but I think that it kind of forced these younger players into roles they may have not fit into this season and they just had to be thrown into the fire and in the long run I, I think that'll be a good thing and we've talked so much about the future and all of these guys coming back but it's also important to note some of the leaders that were on this team that are departing and I know you wrote quite a, a lot about that recently yeah I did I, I wrote a um I actually wrote and then rewrote this piece uh, that went up this morning uh, as of recording. We're talking about this on Wednesday uh, that people can go read on uh, landgrantholyland.com. It's also at my Twitter if people find that easier. But uh, just about Keyshawn Woods and CJ Jackson and Joey Lane as kind of the 
certainly not forgotten, but um, kind of un- underappreciated leaders of this team. I think that a lot of you know criticism was levied to them, not not Joey, but <laughs> the other two uh, <laughs> this season. And you know, I I had my own share of that certainly towards Keyshawn um, at points during this season, and I actually uh, apologized for that at one point in this piece. But I think that their struggles and their growing pains moving towards Ohio State have kind of made it so people maybe don't appreciate them as much as they should have, or will remember them for the bad things rather than for the good things. And I I wanted to to talk about how crucial they were in this transition from Mata to Holtman. I think that C.J. Jackson will probably go down as one of the most underappreciated leaders in Ohio State history because, and that's not fair to him because, I mean, he he was put into such a difficult spot. And he's talked about this in interviews before. I know that he did one with Bill Landis at The Athletic where he came to Ohio State to be like an off-the-bench three-point shooter and that was it he was not really expecting to play a ton and that was that was fine with him he just wanted to be a a 15 minutes a game hit a couple threes be an energy guy off the bench um and that was you know that was fine with him that was what he wanted but he gets here and he's the only point guard on campus and he you know he backed up jaquan lyle in 2016 another guy who really wasn't a point guard um and then these past two years he has been the point guard on the roster he has been pretty much the lone point guard that ohio state has had and that is you know that's a difficult position even if you know how to play it and he did not come to ohio state knowing how to play point guard he was shooting guard and he had to basically just learn it from from scratch under two different staffs in three years and i you know even with the turnovers even with the fact that he just never really put it all together and became the star that people were kind of hoping he would I think that he did an extremely admirable job taking that role, serving as a a capable ball handler and point guard for Ohio State and also serving as a leader. And I think that the same thing can be said for Keyshawn Woods, who was put into a spot where, you know, again, not, not a point guard, did not come to Ohio State as a point guard, had to learn how to be a point guard. And I think in these last few games, we kind of saw what he could have been had he not had to play point guard all year, where he can create a little bit off ball. He can create his weird kind of mid-range shots and score 15, 16, 17 points a night. And it's you know it's too bad that he, he wasn't able to do that all year, but he's another guy who I think is, he, he gets an unfair amount of blame for a situation that he really couldn't control in a spot where he really had to do something that he was not super comfortable with at Ohio State. And I think that, again, he did a really good job of that. And then um, lastly, of course, and there, there has been, hopefully, I, I'm sure, no criticism of Joey Lane because Joey Lane is pure and good and no one should criticize him. <laughs> um, but Joey Lane is, I think, um, he's, not, he's not quite on the Mark Titus level of being a loved uh, former walk-on. But... Um, Probably one of the most important walk-ons, I, I guess former walk-ons now, in college basketball. Just in the the way that he impacted this team the last couple of years. His energy, his leadership. I mean, we, we didn't talk about the ton, I, a ton. I didn't even realize it until I was writing it. Um, he was one of the captains on this team. Like he is... Uh, he was loved by his fellow players, by the coaching staff. And that's usually the, the best 
compliment that a a preferred walk-on now former walk-on scholarship player can possibly have is that his teammates his coaches trusted him as a leader they trusted him as someone that they could listen to even though he's not on the floor a ton and i think that it really cannot be overstated how important he was for ohio state these last couple years and how important his energy was on the bench and his constant optimism i think that he really was kind of he he embodied the exact attitude that Chris Holtman wants his players to have, and I think that all three of those guys did. And the the way that they carried themselves was something you know I, I think that Ohio State fans should be proud of, and I think that Ohio State fans should really appreciate what those three did for this university. Friend of the site, Joey Lane. You That's can right. never have loves too content. many. You can never have too many <laughs> players like Joey Lane, and you can't underestimate the significance that they play in not only team morale but helping other guys get better every day in practice and being an integral part of the team and he he will definitely be missed and that is a spot that Ohio State is going to have to find someone or someone's going to have to step up into that void to be able to fill and that goes for the the same for CJ Jackson too and CJ's he's one of those guys that we've seen have major moments the shot at Indiana is first and foremost that that comes to everyone's mind and play really good games and that probably gives all of us the thought of man this guy can be really good he can be one of the best point guards in the Big Ten but like you said he really wasn't that that never was what he was going to be or what his ceiling was so when he would have inconsistent games I think we all tend to be like oh man CJ just is CJ even even good like why is he not playing like this every single game but when you look at the totality of his career, I think you can confidently say he came to Ohio State and the coaching staffs maxed out his potential. And when it comes to on-floor production and ability, that's really all you can ask from a kid. I think that we got the best version of C.J. Jackson. And in these two tournament games, he went out the way he should have, playing hard until the end and helping lead the team. So like you said, he may go down as being underappreciated by the outsiders but I think to the insiders in Ohio State basketball this transition to the next era and whatever this is under Chris Holtman a lot of that development and growth from younger players has to do with CJ Jackson with the one-year Keyshawn Woods and with Joey Lane and other older players that have been around the last two seasons. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think another guy who um, we'll, we'll probably have a similar conversation about next season around this time um, as maybe not underappreciated, but um, a guy who was really a, a crucial part of this this transition and a, a crucial leader on next year's roster is Andre Wesson. And I mentioned him a little bit in the piece as well as, you know, he's the guy now. He's the senior on this upcoming roster unless they go out and get a grad transfer to pair with him he is the lone elder statesman on the 2019-2020 roster and I think that um, he has he has certainly shown by now that he has a an ability to lead he he was a leader on this roster and I think that he'll certainly be ready for even more responsibilities next year and I think that he's kind of the poster child right now for what Chris Holtman can do with a player and his you know his development in just two years under Holtman has been outstanding, and I'm I'm really excited to see what he can do now in his his final year coming up this next season. 
Um, so that, that I think that that's another thing for, for folks to look forward to that isn't necessarily just, you know, incoming recruits or the development of this big freshman class that they just brought in or the development of Caleb Wesson and Kyle Young and Musa Jallo. Um, I think that seeing Andre Wesson presumably take another step will be really, you know, really interesting to watch. There's a lot of questions about next year's team, but I think in a very good way, whether yeah. it's Andre Wesson stepping up into that leadership role, Caleb Wesson rounding out his game. Not, I don't think he's ever going to eliminate the fouling issues, but just curbing them a little bit, being more consistent in his ability to stay on the floor. And then all of the young guys we talked about, what's the next step for them? And of course, all of these class of 2019 recruits coming in who's going to step up who is going to be able to see the floor as a freshman and what year three under Chris Holtman looks like but I would say a very successful season we got to see a tournament win and see them fight in the round of 32 and they'll be back next season and it's going to be a lot of fun yeah for sure I think that um, should definitely be a really enjoyable season. Like you said, none of the questions are really bad like they were into this upcoming season where we were kind of half asking, half kind of just wincing thinking about it of like, hey, who's going to score on this team? <laughs> I think we kind of know going into to 2019 that they have a few more scores. Obviously, um, we'll still need to find guys who aren't named Wesson that can score a little bit more, especially when you lose CJ, when you lose Keyshawn Woods. But I think um, I think there's a lot of reason to be encouraged going forward, and I think that um, probably a lot of Buckeye fans are going to be getting back into Buckeye basketball in 2019, deservedly so. All right, shifting from that and from good questions to not even bad questions, but just bad news straight up. Yeah. Uh, spring football is here. Spring game here is in a couple weeks. I think it's April 13th. And we've got a little bit of bad news for the football team so far in the past week. Receiver Cameron Babb injured his knee. Looks like he's going to be out for the season. And one of our favorite players, a guy that we were really looking forward to seeing this year, take the next step and who's had injury problems Justin Hilliard injured yet again he was carted off the field during Saturday student appreciation practice suffered an Achilles injury and underwent surgery just super unfortunate for Justin he was working his ass off he had his best year last year he was one of the best special teams players on the team it was going to be really cool to see him push for more of an on-field role as a linebacker, but at least for most of the season, that appears to be off the table. Yeah, I, I think that um, maybe the last we've seen of Justin Hilliard at Ohio State, which is really unfortunate. I just hate that. Yeah, it's it's really, it's a bummer, you know, and Achilles injuries, I believe, is, is what happened to Tuff Borland as well, and we've seen how that has impacted his ability to play since then and his, um, you know, his understanding of, like, how fast he can run and it, it it really it doesn't just affect a football player especially a linebacker it doesn't just affect them physically it's a mental thing as well where you're you know they I've, I've read stories about like basketball players that tear their acls um kind of having a fear to jump at that point or to to go all in and that happens as well with football players and achilles injuries because it's such a a crucial part of the way that you play and um, you know, goes and gets surgery for this is now what his third major injury at Ohio State in five years. I believe he had two bicep injuries before this. Um, 
And, you know, it's just former five-star player, really seemingly good kid, has never been in trouble at Ohio State or anything. And um, a guy who just never really got a fair shot under the uh, the previous coaching staff, um, guy who was probably going to see a lot more time this year. And unfortunately, Walton, well, it's, it's really a bummer. And I think that, you know, kind of a similar feel with the Cameron Babb thing. This is now his second knee injury in in two years at Ohio State he had an ACL injury I think in high school um in like his final high school game I want to say um arrived at Ohio State couldn't play at all last year was seemingly healthy entering the spring and then I believe tore the the same ACL if I remember correctly do we know if it was a torn ACL or not I haven't seen anything as of yet just know it's a knee injury okay um yeah, Austin Ward of Letterman Row just says uh, suffered yet another knee injury and could miss the season. I don't believe it's specified. I imagine that ACL is probably involved, at least in some way, if it's the same knee. That's usually how um, how ACL injuries work. But um, yeah, really, really a bummer. You know, it's uh, he's another one of those guys who extremely talented, all the talent in the world, body just isn't you know, doesn't agree with him, just doesn't agree with football. And, um, you know, obviously hoping that Justin can, you know, make a speedy recovery, maybe get back for the time in time for the season and be fully healthy and ready to go. If not hope that he can get a, uh, you know, a hardship waiver and maybe get a sixth year if it's at Ohio state, if it's elsewhere, um, just would like to see him get a chance to play, get a chance to prove himself and uh, hopefully Cameron Babb can make a full recovery and eventually find the field at Ohio State. It, it seems less and less likely as he has more of these injuries. But, um, you know, obviously hoping for him, you hate to see anybody get get injured like this, especially so consistently. Yeah, it's just it's awful for both of them, especially when you look that they've each had injury issues and worked so hard to get back. And I don't know how big of a deal this really is. For on-field stuff, we've talked endlessly about how many receivers there are, how many players are vying for that those linebacker positions. So it's not like there isn't somebody to step up, but especially in the case of Hilliard, we, we talked about leaders with the basketball team. This was setting up for him to be a leader, even if he wasn't a starter or seeing the majority of the snaps. He's a guy that's been around, fought through adversity, he could be one of Ryan Day's guys in his first full season. And he could still be that and not play, but it just sucks to know that at least for most of the season, depending on how his rehab goes, he is not going to play. So we'll keep updated on that. And that is easily the worst part of the offseason and spring football is when this pops up, especially for guys that have gone through injury before and are working hard to see the field. Not a ton of other... Spring football news, Justin Fields lost his black stripe. I saw that the other day. He's uh, he's good, Patrick. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's you good. Know. Justin Fields, <laughs> he is very, uh, very good. Are there any other thoughts you have about spring practice here? We, we haven't seen a lot of stuff go on. The spring game is still a couple weeks away. Is there anything you're, you're looking for or have heard or excited to see? Not not particularly. I saw that uh, Malik Barrow is is transferring out. Um, you know, not 
was not going to play at Ohio State because he, he took a, mar- a medical hardship, but another one of those guys you hope that he succeeds elsewhere. Um, the Fields thing, he is good. That is um, that is correct. <laughs> That's the official stance of this We've podcast. We've confirmed that. Yeah, Justin Fields, good, uh, unless he's not, at which point he will be bad. But um, I, I did see today, I think it was Patrick Murphy of uh, 24-7 was tweeting out, some quotes from Brian Hartline. I think Brian Hartline had media availability. And I saw that Hartline mentioned um, at least Garrett Wilson, Jalen Gill, and I think Austin Mack by name as guys who were impressing this spring. I remember he said that uh, Jalen Gill was one of the guys who took the biggest step forward in, um, in spring ball in the wide receivers room this year. And that's encouraging to hear. I think that He's another one of those guys who maybe he would have fallen into the the H back trap that that Urban Meyer had set for so many players before him that may get a better opportunity now that that um, just truly useless position has been abolished. Um, I, I think that he's he's the kind of guy who could certainly see his way onto the field this year, maybe in the slot receiver role. A uh, lot of talent there. He's uh, he's going to be hard to keep off the field for much longer um glad to hear that austin mack is doing well another guy who i hope can avoid injury he has had some some trouble with injuries early on in his career and uh would like to see him play a full year healthy and then um the garrett wilson stuff kind of just goes into what we've been saying for months now that you know he he really doesn't carry himself like a freshman really doesn't look like an early enrollee he looks like a guy who can play right away and um, I imagine he is a guy who will see the field quite a bit pretty early on. I'm excited to see these wide receivers play. And I'm excited to of, see them in the spring game. <laughs> seriously, and off of the injury talk, Austin Mack is one of those kids that he, he's working hard to get back. And even, especially on offense, there's a lot of these kids that I find myself, you know, I root for all of them, but really rooting for these kids in this wide receiver room, whether it's him Benjamin Victor, Garrett Wilson to step up and make his mark, Chris Olave to take that next step into superstardom, whatever it may be. I think that there's a lot of players on this team who are easy to root for. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, like you said, I'm really, really interested in what the receivers look like at Ohio State this year and moving forward. Um, this 2020 receivers class is going to be absurd. I can say that. I can say that pretty confidently, and I think that that'll be kind of the norm moving forward. That's something that uh, Clemson has been doing for years now, where they just land five-star receiver after five-star receiver, and I think that um, we're going to see a lot more of that with Ryan Day and Brian Hartline in Columbus, and um, that's real exciting. I uh, it, It's been a long time since Ohio State has had several elite receivers on roster at once. I think that you have to go back to the 90s and the John Cooper era for that. Um, and it's it's really fun. <laughs> it's, it's fun when a football team has a bunch of really, really good receivers. And I think that Ohio State's going to have a bunch of really, really good receivers this year. That's an ideal strategy when you have a quarterback like Justin Fields or even in the case <laughs> that think, the backups yeah. need to come in, you have you have Matt Baldwin in there too, throwing the ball to him. So that that's exciting, and we're gonna finally see what uh, just a little piece of what that Ryan Day, Mike Yursich, and the rest of the offensive staff, what that offense looks like on Saturday, April thirteenth at noon, when Ohio State plays in their spring game. 
I, I, do you have anything else for today? It seems like this was pretty compact. We don't, we don't have not, not a lot else is going on. I feel like finally our year plus of nonstop Ohio State news has almost come to a halt. <laughs> you say that, I don't say it too loud, because then somebody will go and get in trouble or something. Um, not a ton. Uh, I, I saw that. Um, I think Ohio State hockey is in like the tournament or something. So good for good for them. I don't know if we have any listeners who who care about the hockey team. I did see that this morning as I was kind of just scrolling through uh, landgrantholyland.com, which other people should also go do because there's lots of very good content there. Um, not a ton else of of news. Certainly, you know, bummed that the basketball season has come to a close. But like we said kind of expected uh certainly understandable and looking forward to the the 2019 recruits getting on campus i think there's going to be possibly some more recruiting news on the basketball front pretty soon um that we'll talk about on the the new land grant holy land recruiting podcast uh that that matt tamanini and i do i think bi-weekly i'm not super sure on that but people can be on the lookout for that we'll have news there covered i think that's about it though i think that like you said kind of a Kind of a quiet period now that basketball has ended, and I uh, I certainly won't complain about it. I'll, I'll take that. Matt Tamanini is dropping in conversation episodes. His last one was with Lori Schmidt uh, about the Iowa State game in the tournament. You guys, of course, have state secrets for everything recruiting, and ours here is just kind of terrible and just random <laughs> just stuff bad so, in general. yeah check out us too and yeah that's that's pretty much it that's that's my hard sell for this show make sure to go on to apple subscribe to the show search hang out in the holy land find it there we are also on megaphone and follow us on twitter at holy land pod patrick is at patrick underscore mayhorn and i am at dubs co thank you guys for listening to today's episode we will be back next week but until then For Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.